0: The, the FBI came with the local police department, police forces, blocked off streets, came in armored vehicles, broke down the doors uh, of all of the, the sites with high-powered battering rams. It was clearly clearly targeting Chairman Omali Shatella as the leader and, you know, just the various fronts of of the African People's Socialist Party and the Uhuru movement.
1: You're listening to Reparations in Action, here on Black Power 96.3. Reparations
2: now! Uhuru, you're listening to the White Lies Shattered podcast and FM radio show. My name is Brendan McCoy, and today I am hosting White Lies Shattered, which broadcasts weekly on Black Power 96.3 FM in St. Petersburg, Florida. White Lies Shattered, also known as Reparations in Action, is a program of white solidarity with black power. Currently, we are in a podcast series exposing the insidious lies we learn as white or European people about the nature and origin of America and the current social system. We believe reparations to African people is the key question of our times and is one that demands action on the part of European or white people. I would just like to salute Chairman Omalia Ishitela and the African People's Socialist Party for leading the African Revolution and developing the theory of African internationalism and the understanding of the colonial mode of production. African internationalism is the theory and worldview of the African working class that guides the struggle for African liberation and which we credit for all of the understandings and analysis provided on this podcast. As always, we'd like to salute Black Power 96, where this show is aired and recorded for our weekly podcast. Black Power 96 is not just explaining the world, but changing it. You can get the app for Black Power 96 on Google Play or the Apple App Store and listen wherever you are located. On today's episode, I will be talking with Penny Hess on the indictments of the Uhuru Three and the political implications of that. Along with Chairman Amalia Tatella and Jesse Neville, Penny Hess is one of the three leaders of the Uhuru movement that was indicted following the violent FBI raids of seven properties and homes of the Uhuru movement on July 29th, 2022. Uhuru Penny, welcome. Let's start uh, with a with a question. Um, what is your position in the Uhuru movement?
0: Uhuru, Brendan, it's so great to be here, and I I, I know it's been a little minute since we've had... A new podcast, but I really want to thank all of our base and supporters and listeners for hanging in there with us. And this is a very important podcast, so I really appreciate you having me on today. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So just my position in the Uhuru movement is the chair, the chairperson of the African People's Solidarity Committee which was an organization, is an organization founded by the African People's Socialist Party way back in 1976, very long time ago, almost 50 years, and which is an organization thriving today, still here, fighting stronger than ever, under the direct leadership of the party with the mission to work in the white community, to organize in the white community, to organize other white people, to bring the message of Black power in white face into the center of of white society, to be able to uh, win white people to genuine solidarity with the African liberation movement, the anti-colonial struggle, and the struggle for for reparations to African people and theory in theory and practice. So we actually raise reparations for many of the programs and economic development fronts of the African People's Socialist Party, such as the Black Power Blueprint. And I hope anybody who hasn't checked out the Black Power Blueprint uh, website could go to blackpowerblueprint.org and just see the amazing work that's going on or come over here to St. Louis and have a tour of the beautiful and, and very unique programs that are happening.
2: It's definitely worth the trip. It's it's very incredible what's been done
0: up there. Yes. Yes. And let me just say a couple more things in that I want to always begin by saluting chairman Omali Shetela, who we're going to talk about a lot today, um, who has been fighting for the liberation of Africa and African people inside the U.S., in Africa, and around the world, and um, who has come under attack for this very reason, and his and his whole history of the last 50 years of, you know, fighting to complete the African Revolution of the 1960s. And I also want to salute Chair, uh, Deputy Chair Ona Zaneya Shetela, who coordinates brilliantly the um all of all of the programs such as the the black power blueprint programs the outdoor event space the um the the transformation of abandoned condemned buildings into beautiful beautiful buildings that represent various programs that meet the need of the african working class here in north st louis such as the basketball court the upcoming Women's Health Center and the Doula training program, um, the upcoming, um the upcoming kitchen, community kitchen and GECO kitchen, and the um and, and the cafe that's being worked on and just so many other amazing fronts. The basketball court, which is going to be dedicated this month, and um all of the tremendous work of the office of the deputy chair and the entire African People's Socialist Party under whose leadership we have the honor of of organizing. And the African People's Solidarity Committee is significant because it is the first time in history that white people have been organized under the leadership of the African Liberation Movement and the African People's Socialist Party with the mandate in an accountable way to go into the white community, to carry out and forward the whole strategy and program to liberate African people and and to return their stolen resources into the hands of the African working class, which is the revolutionary understanding of what reparations is.
2: Okay, so so on to the the main question. Uh, can Can you tell us what happened on July 29th, the day movement was raided
0: yes july 29th 2022 was a very a very important day and it represented you know just an incredibly significant and brutal attack against the african liberation movement and something that chairman omali has summed up as the most serious attack on the African liberation movement since the 1960s, since what we saw of COINTELPRO and other fronts of those attacks then. And the day started with a coordinated pre-dawn attack raid by the FBI on seven properties of the African People's Socialist Party and a movement, including people's homes as well as public centers. So it was 6 a.m. on the East Coast in St. Petersburg, Florida. It was 5 a.m. here in St. Louis. The, um, the, the FBI came with the local police department, police forces, blocked off streets, came in armored vehicles, broke down the doors uh, of all of the, the sites. With high-powered battering rams, it was clearly, clearly targeting Chairman Omar el as the leader, and you know just the various fronts of of the African People's Socialist Party and the Uhuru Movement. They uh, they put um, drones and flashbang grenades all into the properties. They uh, they had high-powered weapons. Uh, assault weapons, trained at the chairman as he was coming down the stairs with the laser sightings right on his chest and on and aimed at his heart. Uh, they handcuffed him and deputy chair Onesine and just went through all of his home and, you know, taking computers, cell phones and everything else for many hours. Yeah, and this the same thing happened here in St. Louis at the Uhuru Solidarity Center, which is right on a busy street on Gravois Avenue, here in South St. Louis, which represents where white people live um, in the city, which is fifty percent African, fifty percent white, and uh, again blocked off the street. Had um, you know went in, broke down the doors. Put flashbang grenades, just a crazy number of them, you know, into this, which we happen to be able to see because it took them a minute for them to find the source of the security cameras. So people can see that on the video that's been created at handsoffuhuru.org and, you know, just went through this building, which is a beautiful building owned by the African People's Socialist Party and their program called Black Star Industries And it has a banner on the uh, front of the building for all to see that says unity through reparations and has garnered a tremendous amount of support here in St. Louis. We also came to the home of Amanda Carlozzi and Jesse Neville, who is the chair of the Uhuru Solidarity Movement and who is one of the Uhuru Three as well. And they, uh, they came to my house, which I share with Kitty Riley on the south side, and, and you know, did all of the same things. In St. Petersburg, Florida, they came to the home of, of Akilah Anai, who is the director of agitprop Agitation and Propaganda, the editor of The Burning Spear, for um, the African People's Socialist Party and just a brilliant young person. They drew her outside and told her that somebody had broken into their car, her car, and, uh, you know, just attacked her. They came to the Uhuru house in St. Pete, um, which has been a large building on the south side of St. Petersburg in the African community, which has been the center for the African liberation movement for over 30 years. And it has just been, you know, incredibly important building and and place where international relationships with African people and their allies have taken place, you know, from all around the world. So that building, every single door in there was destroyed. They took files, they took archives, they took computers. Uh, They did about $40,000 worth of damages to the buildings, to the homes, and also in the stolen computers and electronics and cell phones and all that kind of thing as well. So it was a very outrageous attack. And uh, it's one that that Chairman O'Malley Shetella, just within minutes literally of the time that they I I just want to add also Brendan that nobody was arrested there was no arrest there was a, in fact we were we were held but they didn't have the, you know that wasn't right that they held us because um there was no crime and once people ask are we are we being detained they were like, oh, no, no, you're not. And people could leave. Of course, you know, they broke many doors. So for some, it was hard or impossible to leave until the doors were fixed. So it was pretty outrageous. It was a very vicious attack. It was a visible attack. Um, four people were named as unindicted co-conspirators. The indictments did not come down until April 18th and of this year. And it was um, nine months later, so it was pretty, you know, it was pretty outrageous what happened.
2: So property damage, um, assault weapons, armored vehicles, drones, it, it seems like some incredibly extreme behavior to, to not make any arrests and steal some laptops from, you know, organizations that are, that are known for uplifting their community. Uh, you mentioned CoinTel Pro earlier. There's there's certainly precedent for this mm-hmm. behavior from the FBI. Can you can you go into that?
0: Yes, and and I want to you know I want to make it clear because I know that people are seeing on the news things about the um, Oath Keepers or the Proud Boys or other kinds of things and and people who were involved in January sixth. This is the organization the African People's Socialist Party is the organization that is dedicated to one thing and one thing only and that is the liberation of African people the upliftment of African people here and around the world every every place that african people are whether they are on the continent of africa or whether they were forcibly dispersed around the world through the kidnapping and enslavement of african people African people are throughout the U.S., they're throughout the Caribbean, and many places in South America. They are the poorest, most oppressed communities that exist everywhere. And that Africa, as the continent, is the richest continent on the planet Earth in terms of natural resources. But it is still being colonized through what's called neocolonialism or just directly from colonial former colonial uh, powers who still are in Africa, just ripping off the resources from the people. So, you know, Africa should be have the highest standard of living in the world, but instead it is not poor, it is being looted, as Chairman O'Malley should tell us. Says. So, yeah, so this, this has to be remembered when we are talking about Um, these attacks but the fact is every time that African people have risen up for you know power and economic development in their own hands not assimilation as part of the African nation they have come under a serious attack by the system the FBI got its start attacking Marcus Garvey in the 1920s who had built an organization. He was based in Harlem, New York, but he was born in Jamaica and he was, he had built an organization of 11 million African people around the world. Just a phenomenal organization. You know, of course, decades before there was social media or anything else, there was newspapers, they were published um, around the world. And, Something like twenty-five or fifty thousand people came to Marcus Garvey's convention, it was called the Convention of the Negro People of the World, uh, held in Madison Square Garden in New York. And in several times, actually, in the 1920s, he he was attacked. He was charged with mail fraud and arrested and sent to federal prison, and then later deported and everything was done to try to destroy the institutions, the many institutions that his organization and members of his organization had built that included laundries, hotels, um, even, even schools and uh, other kinds of institutions that were part and parcel of a liberated African society and system. So that, that happened, and then in the 1960s, as we know, COINTELPRO targeted the African Liberation Movement, the Black Power Movement, and it did so with assassinations very, um, you know, infamously against Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, Fred Hampton, and many others. It also engaged... Um, the the movement the black power movement enforced them into bogus trials just like these bogus charges and it was um something you know that uh, that many african people were imprisoned as political prisoners from that period some of whom like sandiata kola just got out in the last 6 months or just got out in the last was released in the last year also including Leonard Peltier, who was a leader of the American Indian movement that was in prison, still in prison today, and Mumia, Abu Dhabha, and many others. So this is the, um, this is what the system does. And it also includes, um, you know, just others, Africans, well-known African celebrities, like Um, James Baldwin and Aretha Franklin and Paul Robeson, a little bit earlier period of that, and W.E.B. Du Bois, who also came under attack, some given the same charges as Russian agents as this movement is facing right now. So this is something that the state has always used to, um, to try to destroy and isolate the movement of African people against colonialism, against the colonial domination that they faced here and for um, real power, political and economic power in their own hands.
2: It's definitely an, an incredible history when you look back and see how all these organizations were doing so much good and then just completely attempt unjustly. Um, the FBI uh, formally and on April eighteenth. Um, what is the current status of those indictments?
0: Actually, it was the DOJ, the so-called oh, Department sorry. of Depar- Department of Justice, that actually the FBI is under. But yeah, these indictments um, came on April eighteenth of this year, and on in early May, um, Chairman O'Malley, Chitella, and I had an appearance in court in the middle district of Florida federal court in Tampa. And uh, we were put in shackles, meaning handcuffs and leg irons chained with chains before for our court appearance. And we were, we were charged. And just let me say also that Jesse Neville's appearance was one week later. But the same thing happened, and it was in the same court, and we all have are facing bogus, outrageous charges, including that the the U.S. Um, law three seventy one of section three seventy one, which is conspiracy, and. And Section 951A, which is um, conspiracy to commit an offense against the United States and acting as an agent of a foreign government to wit the Russian Federation, which is absolutely, absolutely Mm -hmm. just so ludicrous, so so outrageous Mm -hmm. that, that they could use this and they can get away with it. It's, it's just incredible and this but this is what they do to African people who dare to stand up. You know, you look at the poverty of the African community here in, in St. Louis. It's not over. It's worse than ever. and all of the things that that are even happening right now as we speak that African people who some of whom may have had a little bit of extra uh, resources, during COVID, that's gone. Um, African people who were able to, to get health care during COVID, that's all being dropped. That's in the newspaper today. It's all being dropped by this government now. I mean, it's just, you know, it's just incredible what the conditions are that, um, you know, that African people face inside the borders of the United States. That's never talked about unless there is a massive uprising of African people as we saw and rightly so after the police murder of George Floyd in 2020 which was just you know shook this country and a lot of white people came out then but nothing has changed nothing has changed at all and at least a thousand people have been uh, mostly Africans have been murdered by by the police since George Floyd was killed three years ago so you know this is it, it, it's really, really out, outrageous. It, it would be humorous if it weren't so serious. What the consequences are. So it's part of yeah. So we're going to talk about that a little bit more.
2: Okay. Um, so, so these attacks, there's there's a little bit of a difference between the attacks in the '60s and and now, uh, concerning who they're attacking. You know? A, a wide organization like APSC. So what is what is the purpose of APSC, and why was APSC organized under the party's leadership?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that I think that that is a really important question, Brendan, and and I'm really happy to be able to address that. That is something one thing that was different from the 1960s, and, and and also Marcus Garvey and other examples of this, is that because the African People's Socialist Party had created the African People's Solidarity Committee, which is a cadre organization under the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party, and our mass organization, the comrade Jesse Neville chairs, is the Uhuru Solidarity Movement, which has members in 140 cities in the US and some in Europe. So uh, that was that was really, really important because part of what of the strategy of COINTELPRO in the 1960s was to use every method and to say that COINTELPRO wasn't just the FBI, it was a program of the FBI, but it included the CIA operating within the borders of the United States. Um, which this came out in the Church hearings in 1975. Um, it included the National Security Agency and also the um, the IRS. The IRS. So, you know, th- this is, these are the fronts that that it used against that movement. But one of the one of the goals was to be able to um, to isolate and and discredit the African revolutionary movement which was an incredible mass movement in the 1960s and it and and APSC was created by the party to break the isolation that was one of the reasons to break the isolation of um, of the party and the African liberation movement so it was in that way incredibly incredibly important that they also had to attack white people in the white community and that we have a voice that is, is very, very important about the role of white people and the, um, and what white people can do and why. And I think that it's important to know that the African people solidarity committee was formed based on the party's analysis and scientific understandings of what the chairman calls the colonial mode of production. And that means that colonialism is the central question inside the United States and around the world. It means that African people are colonized inside these borders. That's the meaning of the two realities, what we call here in St. Louis, the Delmar Avenue divide that where on the south side of Delmar are beautiful mansions, gated communities, and on the north side of that is just incredible poverty, um, buildings that are falling down that have been left to rot. Yeah, very very stark difference in this Delmar Avenue divide, which is just you know an analogy, a metaphor for um, for colonialism inside the U.S. and that APSC. Was created by the history of enslavement of the fact that, as the chairman points out, almost every time he speaks, that Europe was poor. It was oppressed in the Middle Ages, and in the 1400s, Portugal and Spain began launching out in, um, uh, you know, on ships. And began attacking Africa and looting Africa, looting Africa of its gold, and then very soon of kidnapping and looting Africa of its human beings. And it was African human beings that formed the basis for the economy that we that we live in today. They became they were, you know, Europeans turned Africans into commodities for sale. And that it is this that is the basis of the the British stock market, Wall Street in the United States, the French bourse and French stock market in Amsterdam and just all this massive amount of wealth from stealing African people, selling them. They were the most lucrative commodity of the time and using them as also a means of production, a way of of creating uh, wealth, stolen labor, you know, farming, producing, all the things that they they were forced to do and produce the the cotton and the indigo and, you know, all kinds of of minerals stolen from this land which belongs to the indigenous people. And and just the the, um, terror and genocide against the indigenous people that did you know, which was a conscious policy of the United States government with stolen labor of African people, stolen land, white people came here and very consciously to climb up the so-called ladder of success. They they always said, you know, poor white people coming from Europe called America the land where the streets were paved in gold because in within one generation, they could buy a house, they could get resources they could send their kids to college and you know within a generation or two max they were living in the suburbs and tree-lined and you know with expense accounts or, or certainly with mortgages and and uh inheritances and oh. the yeah retirement and all the things that they could they could do to uh, you know pass the social wealth down from generation to generation so this is the role of white people historically has been to uh, to carry out enthusiastically the attacks on African and Indigenous people colonized inside this country, and certainly as part of Europe, of, of Europe and North America's foreign policy of wars of occupation against people on the planet Earth, and also settler colonizers both here. In Africa, in Israel, and and many other places throughout the world, that that white people, you know, have um, gone there, have you know been part of the stolen uh, resources of, of colonial domination, and and in many many cases, led enthusiastically the violence against African indigenous and colonized people around the world as the front lines of um, of just terror against against the people as part of stealing stealing the land and the resources. So this is this is our history. This is our history. They're trying to make this history illegal in the schools, but this is, you know, this is recorded fact. This is how America, you know, got to be the way it is. And as the chairman said, there wouldn't be an America without slavery and without genocide against the indigenous people. This is what we call white opportunism. And recently we were reading something of the chairman's written by the chairman many years ago, but he was writing that, you know, how the party understands that the structural relationship um, between the party and APSC. In other words, with APSC being organized under the leadership of the African revolution, because we're the ones that sit on the pedestal of African oppression and colonization and benefit from it. It's, you know, that, that that is, as the chairman said, you know, exactly correct. That is the relationship it has to be. And in, it's for us as white people the um the future of what this planet can be because it's been shown over and over again that white people ourselves are not going to lead a struggle to overturn this capitalist system or the colonial you know which is in fact the colonial mode of production we can't lead it we're not going to lead it we've always gotten um you know just rights And resources for ourselves at the expense of everyone else. We participated in, you know, as this army of occupiers carrying out lynchings, carrying out murders, rapes, mutilations beyond anything that you could even imagine. Um, We have done that. You know, our ancestors have carried that out against African and and Indigenous people, even just the, the history of. St. Louis alone, <laughs> you know, just to look at that, just the terror that, that white people have carried out here and done everything possible to suppress and to um, destroy the ability of African people to, to, to amass their own resources, to, to have self-sustaining community in which they can flourish. All that has been destroyed and taken away. This is one example, you know, St. Louis is one example, but it's happened everywhere from Tulsa, Oklahoma to Rosewood to, you know, all the policies of gentrification and white development and pushing out African people, Um, you know, urban renewal, it was called in the 1960s, where they just plowed down African communities, many of which were thriving in order to build freeways or sports arenas, as they did in Florida, or just, you know, every city has that story. They always picked a thriving and, and usually um, well-established, long-time established African community and to tear down in order to build something that is beneficial to white people and to white businesses, etc. So, you know, this is, this this is important that this is the purpose of APSC to have white people inside uh, of the white community as the voice of Black power, but in white face, so that we can be a front of the African revolution in an accountable way in the white community, which is in our interest.
2: I'm glad you brought up the uh, that that subject of of all these. All these black communities being blown down, that's such a a deep part of American history, and something I think we'll we'll be covering more of in
0: yes, Yeah.
2: so exactly that you know, so so it, the African people solidarity not only uh, a way that the party's providing for for white people to stand on the right side of history but but a strategic important strategic part in this this movement um Another another important part of this movement, the uh, the Uhuru Solidarity Movement. Um, the, the, this movement was also targeted by the FFM. Mm-hmm. So, uh, can you go into uh, what the Uhuru Solidarity Movement is and, and why do you think that was targeted as well?
0: Well, I think that, that in general, the Uhuru Solidarity Movement, meaning APSC, the African People's Solidarity Committee, and Uhuru Solidarity Movement, which is kind of a mass organization with principles of unity based on white people organizing in a mass way under the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party and fighting for reparations to African people. And it's just done an amazing job and had just tremendous support for that throughout the U.S. I think that that APSC and USM were targeted because, one in an attempt to intimidate white support, which they are not doing, they cannot do. And it was an attempt to, to re-isolate the African liberation movement, to, you know, to return it to how it had been in in the 1960s, when there were white people, yes, who came out to protest the um COINTELPRO and and colonial state attacks on African people, but never they didn't have the ability to do that as white people. They just would join demonstrations that were maybe led by um led by the, the Black Panthers or others, but are you know even, you know, at times by the Peace and Freedom Party, but the the fact is that um they they did not have the ability to to um, you know to be able to to go out there with a banner saying white people in solidarity with African liberation movement and reparations to African people that could only happen directly under under the leadership of the African revolution and I think that's that's very very powerful and I would just also add that that. Um that you know, in the history, like what we've talked about what white people have done to African people, we've participated in, in hideous terror called lynchings. We've raped, we've harmed, we've mutilated, we've stolen from African people. And no white people, no white person has ever been indicted for a lynching or for harming, killing an African person and and we can just, you know as as various, people from the African community have noted that Carolyn Bryant, who was the white woman who targeted Emmett Till in the, in the late 1950s in that famous, you know, just brutal case. um, And he was, he was murdered by, you know, I think by her husband or relatives of her. And, but she died in her bed. She was never charged. And, You know, we just see this. We see the the murder of Breonna Taylor, of Mike Brown, of Philando Castile in Minneapolis. So many Africans killed by the police or other white people. Those white people are never, very rarely charged. But yet the first time that white people are organized under the leadership of the African Revolution fighting for and and winning reparations to African people, we are charged. We are indicted. We are charged by this government. And um, I think that that is very telling about the system that we live in, that it rewards white people who, you know, who murder and participate in, in genocide, but white people who are fighting for reparations, are indicted by the system, and it's, it's extremely outrageous, and something that as white people, we have to come together strong and protest this, and fight this. Stand in solidarity with yeah. this, with and join hands off of Huru.
2: Absolutely. So, so the FBI, they, they raided the, the party, they raided the, the solidarity movement, they raided uh, solidarity committee, um, was this the first organized attack on the party? Has there been any subsequent?
0: Well, just to say that there have been many attacks on the on the chairman, on Chairman Omari Shatala over the years, over the decades. I mean, he's always faced attacks and taken it on in a powerful with a powerful political response. Um, but just quickly, in terms of, in addition to the raids of the seven properties of the party in the movement on July 29th. Um, a couple of weeks before that in St. Petersburg, somebody came and got out of their car, um, getting out of their trunk, a, um, a, you know, just a huge flamethrower, <laughs> a huge flamethrower and set the flag on, on fire. Um, the beautiful fifty-foot flag that flies in St. Petersburg, Florida, at the Uhuru House. Here in St. Louis, there was the burning of a church that the uh, Black Star Industries, the Black Power Blueprint, the party were were working to purchase to house other programs of the Black Power Blueprint. Suddenly, that that church burned down mysteriously. You know, obviously. Um, most probably by arson, but it, it's never been investigated, and nothing is happening around that. That's an attack. Different banks and economic institutions, including Regent's Bank, have have attacked the um, banking of the movement and their um, you know places where that they use for mortgages and all of this kind of thing to help leverage building more materials. Um, there have been the arrest, arbitrary arrest of a party organizer, the theft of laptop computers from a break in of a vehicle while parked on the street. There's many, many things. And you can find out more about all of these attacks, which are listed on the incredible website called handsoffahuru.org.
2: And I actually did see, I think on,
0: on there actually, uh, about a hit taken out on The chairman chairman was added, this was actually I think around 2015, the chairman was added by the CIA to something that's called the Ukrainian hit list, which is uh, targets uh, people who, you know, who especially this is before the US war against Russia using um, the people of Ukraine as a weapon, but um, it was, you know, something that any kind of of support for Russia or any kind of relationship with Russia, which the party did have just as it had relationships with the people of Northern Ireland and the Sandinistas of Nicaragua and the Palestinian people and oppressed peoples uh, around the world, you know, that there was. Any place that support comes for the African liberation movement, the party accepts that. And that is part of freedom of speech. Right. So that is something that we have to really fight for as white people the right of African people to, to freedom of speech, to organize in their own interests. Absolutely.
2: Go uh, ahead. Do you believe that? Uh, so, so, what effect do you think uh, the chairman organizing? APSC and and creating this organization, you think uh, these attacks would have would have happened a little bit differently?
0: I think that if we look at history, had there not been an APSC, the FBI could have just come to the chairman and deputy chair's house on that morning, and you know, I shudder to think what could happen. But I know what they did to Fred Hampton in 1969 at four in the morning it's very much like that where they came in shooting their assault weapons and you know assassinating and and murdering fred and and mark clark who were leaders of the black panther party in the midwest i mean you know it's this is this is what they do and it's really really important for white people to to join together to form you know just a kind of political and sometimes physical ring around the party and the party's institutions and standing between the African liberation movement and the colonial state, which is very violent and very vicious towards those who oppose it. We have to fight. We have to come out and fight. Uh, white people have to be able to, um, you know, to, to say hands off a huru, we have to say, hands off Africa. We have to say, drop the charges against the Uhuru 3 that, um, that we stand up for the right of African people to experience and practice free speech and freedom of association that are supposedly guaranteed by the U.S. Constitution, which obviously are not for every person. And we have to fight for that. And we also have to fight for our right to stand in solidarity with African people and the African liberation movement and to organize for reparations to African people. That is my right to freedom of speech that I am fighting for. So I would just call for all of our comrades and friends who would be listening to this program to, for sure, go to handsoffuhuru.org, which is just a repository of amazing information that is documented every step of the way, um, the struggle and the fight back that the chairman, Chairman O'Malley Shatela, has led in the Uhuru movement is and what it is fighting for and all of the massive support that it has garnered, both financially and politically, all the people who have stood up and, come out to publicly say they stand with Chairman O'Malley Shatella and the African People's Socialist Party. And I also would urge everyone to go to, if you haven't already, blackpowerblueprint.org to see. Just This is just one front of the African People's Socialist Party's work. It's very beautiful, very inspiring to see. Come to St. Louis where you can get an actual tour, a physical yeah. tour, to see it. And, you know, get involved. And then I, I would say, you know, if, if white people want to look at UhuruSolidarity.org and, and become a member and just, you know, join, join the struggle with white people in 140 other cities in the U.S. and around the world. And, um, you know, let's break with the uh, the assumption that this government makes that we would still be Acting as the settler colonizers, um, carrying out the U.S. policy, you know, U.S. Uh, reality of colonialism against African and oppressed peoples of the world, and we're saying no. We are not going to be, you know, the soldiers for for the system. We're going to stand in solidarity with African people and the people on the planet Earth, and that is the future where we can see no one living at the expense of anyone else and where we can see uh, a a planet, you know, restored to its beauty because the human beings have power over their lives and a world without war and oppression. So
2: Uh uh that's handsoffahuru.org. If you want to, you know, participate in this fight back, If you want to see what's going on here in the ground in St. Louis, that's BlackPowerBlueprint.org. And if you want to become a member of the Uhuru Solidarity movement, get involved. That is, that is UhuruSolidarity.org. Correct? Correct. And, and I, I would thank you, Penny, for, for this incredible interview, this incredible talk. I had a great time. And I think, I think. Yes. I really appreciate it. It's great. Just, I would, you know, Salute Chairman Amalia Chateau. Salute the African People's Socialist Party. And uh, salute Black Power 96. Uh, Hands off Uhuru.
0: Hands off Africa. Uhuru.
1: This has been an episode of Reparations in Action, a biased podcast of white solidarity with Black Power. My name is Jamie Simpson. We'd like to thank our team of volunteers. Our sound engineer is Aaron Loss, who also composes our theme music. Our research coordinator is Alex Pletcher. Reparations in Action is produced by Penny Hess, Jesse Neville, and Lisa Watson out of the Black Power 96 studio in St. Petersburg, Florida. A shout out to Burning Spear Media Director Akile Anayi and the station that is not just explaining the world but changing it, WBPU LP St. Petersburg, also known as Black Power 96, and the station manager, Mr. Eddie Maltzby. If you like what you've heard today, you can go to Apple Podcasts and rate this podcast. If you have questions, comments, suggestions, or if you'd like to join our volunteer team, please email us at ria at blackpower96.org. That's R-I-A at blackpower96.org. Special thanks to Chairman Omalia Shetela and the African People's Socialist Party, without whose relentless leadership and theory of African internationalism, none of the understandings presented on reparations in action would be possible.